0: Hey, Pioneers, welcome to episode number 362. Today's episode, we are talking about homestead mistakes and what I would do differently knowing what I know now. And while I share a little bit of my homestead mistakes of this episode mainly we are sharing the wisdom gleaned from jessica sowards many of you know jessica from her popular youtube channel roots and refuge this is the second time that i have had jessica on the podcast and i always enjoy time spent with her and come away richer from the experience. And I know that as you listen in on today's episode, that you will feel the very same way. Now, for things that we talk about in today's episode, and we always have a blog post that accompanies every episode. So for my longtime listeners, you know this very well. Thank you, as well as a welcome if you are a new listener to the podcast. But you can find all of that at melissaknorris.com forward slash 362, just the number 362, because this is episode number 362. So melissacanerice.com forward slash 362. I think you'll really enjoy this episode. We dive into a lot of different things. There's tons of nuggets and wisdom, but we also get to share, which we hadn't planned on doing. It was just the way that the interview ended up going. And I kind of love it when that happens. But we also share Some really exciting things that Jessica and not just her, but who she is partnering with and some things that they are doing where they have moved to, to their new homestead and in their town that I think is fabulous and uh, may get to be a part of it sometime in the future. So I hope that you enjoy that. I know that this will give you inspiration. And as I said, lots of different little nuggets there of wisdom that you will be able to glean from. Today's podcast is sponsored by Azure Standard. Azure is a company I have been with for a number of years and I'm thrilled that they have come on to sponsor the podcast. But one of the reasons I'm excited for you to to know more about them if they're not something that you're familiar with is because they are a company who stands behind the movement of doing things the right way. And yes, I understand, but by saying that statement, that is a bit about perspective, right, as to who is saying that something is right, so maybe a more apt way to say that would be they are a company who do things the way most homesteaders want to growing crops in a way that is beneficial to the earth, that is not you know dousing it with a ton of synthetic fertilizers and then using synthetic pesticides and herbicides, but are growing things and only bringing items in that they're not growing themselves from other farms and companies who have those same type of stewardship standards for their crops. One of my favorite things to get from them is actually organic chocolate chips, as well as their organic cocoa powder. My family adores chocolate. It's my husband's number one favorite food. I happen to like chocolate as well. And we go through a lot of chocolate chips and a lot of cocoa powder in various things. In fact, at the time of this recording, I have been making a ton of double chocolate chip zucchini muffins, which we'll have the link to that recipe in the show notes that goes with today's episode. But the zucchini is coming on strong, so I've been making it a practice to make a batch of the muffins every Sunday so that then we have them for breakfast and snacks quickly throughout the week but I am also then shredding up and freezing the other half of the zucchini so you know when you get those zucchinis that they're a little on the big side so they're perfect for grating up for bread and that type of thing but not so much where you really want them for grilling because they can have a little bit of the seeds inside and they're bigger so if I've got one of those half of it will give me the two cups of shredded zucchini I need to make the recipe And then usually the other half will be about the same, two cups of shredded zucchini. And that I will just freeze and throw that in a freezer bag and put that in the freezer so then I have it in the middle of winter. And I have found a lot of vegetables you need to blanch before you freeze them. But I found with shredded zucchini, there's no need to blanch it beforehand. I can freeze it as is and then just thaw it and bake it into bread. Now, if I'm doing it in rounds or chunks for casseroles or sauces or other things like that, I do blanch it, but not for the shredding. So, if you like to have on hand good chocolate, and one of the reasons I like to go organic with my chocolate, especially when it comes to chocolate chips, is because a lot of chocolate chips will have soy in there. Now, there's a lot of differing thoughts and information on the consumption of soy because it can have some issues with estrogen etc however soy is one of our largest genetically modified crops so if we are eating anything that does have soy in it i want to make sure that we are getting non-gmo soy and i know that that's the case when i am purchasing the organic chocolate chips so i also have a great Coupon code. Now, this runs through October 30th of 2022, and it's only available for first time Azure customer orders with a minimum of a $50 order or more and a one time use per customer. But you can use code MKN10. That's MKN10. And go to melissaknorris.com forward slash Azure, which is A is an Apple, Z is in Zebra, U R E and apply that coupon code. Well, Jessica, welcome back to today's podcast. Thank
1: you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to our chat. I know since the last time you came on the podcast, which um, we will link to in the show notes, I actually don't remember how long ago that was, but we've actually had the opportunity to meet in person now. And I have to say, you are just delightful in person as you are on video and really have enjoyed the chance to get to know you better.
1: Yeah, whenever we got to sit out there on those steps at Rory's festival and talk, I don't know how long we sat out there that evening, but a while, that was definitely one of the greatest parts of that weekend. And it was a great weekend. So that's really saying something.
0: Oh, well, I feel very honored because it was <laughs> for me too. In fact, um, my daughter, Maddie, she got to go with me to that festival and she was sitting there with us. And it's kind of funny because I think she actually enjoyed listening to it because normally at 13, if Mom's talking too long. I get that where it's almost like she's too again. She starts tugging on my shirt. Like, come on. Right. Come on. Come on. And, <laughs> she, oh, didn't, she, yeah. <laughs> and she didn't do that. So, and I told her the same. It was so cute because after we, you know, started walking away, she's like, just like mom. She goes, I really like her. Oh. And I said, I oh, do too. It was just this sweet. It was really cute. So, anyhow, I'm so glad that you could, could come back on. And I think this is going to be a fun episode. I've been doing a bit of a, a series where we've been whacking through home setting skill sets and starting out you know like at your very most basic entry level and then building up on those and so this is gonna fit in really nicely and naturally with that, so what I'd love to know is if you were starting over again, which you guys have in a way because you yeah. can, for those who haven't been following along or might not know you yet, you guys moved out of state and have started a brand new homestead. So do you want to just kind of like maybe briefly, briefly share about
1: that? Interestingly, when I recorded with you for your the last podcast, we were out here visiting and I was seeing our land for the first time. I think I told you about it then and it was still like super hush hush. So now, you know, a year and a half later, however long it's been, things have definitely changed. Um, We moved from central Arkansas from a four acre farm that we lived on there for eight years uh, to the Midlands of South Carolina. So 720 mile move across the Southern United States. It was a big move to move our family and our farm. And we bought a piece of raw land. Now there was a little bit of structures here, most of which we've now taken down, but no utilities, um, no, no infrastructure, anything like that, that we were using And we have been working on it for a little over a year now. We got here at the end of last summer. And so now we're going into the second fall here. And it has been quite the journey to build a farm from scratch and honestly use a lot of that experience. People people said, well, you're not starting from scratch. You're starting from experience. And I really liked that phrase because it is very different when you're doing something from experience rather than embarking on it for the first time.
0: Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. So. Now that you've got the experience of having done it done it from the, the ground up on your first place without having all of those years of experience and now starting over, but with the experience. What would be some of those lessons that you would give to someone who's doing this for the first time so that they can start on the back of your experience yeah. as, they be- as they begin their journey? Yeah, learn from my mistakes so that you don't
1: have to make them yourself. So it's funny, I've always said to people, don't get in a rush. And then we come here and largely build this farm in a year, which people are like, wait a second, I thought you said don't get in a rush. I would say if it is your very first time and you do not have the experience, going slow is a really good, solid piece of advice, unless you just have money that you can waste. Um, because that's ultimately what ends up happening when you let your spending and building get out ahead of your experience is you end up making mistakes that just cost you a lot of money, where you have to tear things down or rebuild them or do them a different way. And going slow, it also can save heartbreak I see so many people want to jump into homesteading and then they've got a goat herd or a sheep herd and a cow, and they've got, you know, 130 chickens and they've got all of these things to take care of. And I think that if we, again, allow our spending and growth to get out in front of our experience, we we ultimately end up not getting what we desired. Like you can easily trade in your grocery budget for a feed bill if you don't, make choices rightly. You know, you can easily trade in what you would have saved with your simple life with vet bills and, you know, redoing made mistakes. So I think learning a skill at a time, get chickens, understand them, understand how to care for them, then get your dairy animal, then, you know, get good at gardening on a small scale and then do the acre garden. I don't know why new gardeners always want to go out and till an acre. That's the thing that people think, I'm going to do this. And I'm like, well, hold on a second. Garden garden a thousand square feet first and see how you feel about that because it'll teach you a lot and then take your experience into the growth. Let the experience be the leader rather than the other way around.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And I know too, even for us, when you get because a lot of times it's cheaper when you're buying livestock, for example, when you're buying them as smaller as babies, as infants, like most, yes. most people are starting by buying chips um, and even like building up your, your cattle herd. Most of the time you're going to be buying, you know, calves that have just been weaned, maybe yearlings, etc. And the feed costs when that animal yeah. is young is much lesser because they're not eating yeah. as much volume wise. <laughs> as when they are older. And so if you start out with all of those as young, which a lot of people are are doing when they're building up all of this, uh, not only then as those animals age, like your feed costs are going to go up a lot. And I don't think a lot of people are prepared for that because they kind of budget for what they see them eating when they're smaller. Yes. It's just, a, it's just, you're just not thinking about it. You're like, Oh, well, this is what my feed bills were this month uh, for this. So I'm just going to kind of calculate this out for a year and, and kind of expect it.
1: Or if I'm- you've, do you do you have you yeah, seen that? Absolutely. Well, another thing I think sticker shock. People look at the eight hundred dollar six month old heifer versus the two thousand dollar three year old freshly you know freshened cow that's in milk, and they go well, eight hundred dollars is way more affordable than two thousand dollars. But when you look at the fact that that heifer needs another eighteen months, she needs to be bred. That's going to be an expense. She's going to have to be fed in the meantime. She have to be maintained in the meantime. You're going to have to deal with flies and all these little expenditures that by the time she's three years old and freshened, you will have put that difference in. So paying that $2,000 now and tomorrow you get milk. That's a better choice for me. Now, we did just buy some heifers, but we also already have cows and milk. And I think we look at those young animals as the beginner place and maybe they shouldn't be, you know, maybe that's not the best place for a beginner. Yeah,
0: I agree. And and having myself, I'm newer to dairy animals. I grew up with beef cattle and all of that, but we didn't have dairy animals. And I, we bought our milk cow already in, you know, Mm -hmm. she came and fully trained. And I have to say, not only that, but if you're buying a heifer, you are saving money. But have you ever trained a cow to milk? Like, like really, like even I've, you know, I've got 20 some years experience with beef cattle. I've never trained a cow to milk. And I'm like, for me, that's also a big thing because they don't just intuitively go and stand in that stanchion and let you milk away, you know? And so if you don't have experience with cattle at all and dairy cattle specifically in training them, like that price tag for that 2000, like that is even a yeah. bigger deal. Like it's I, worth that money spent. Yeah.
1: Well, I've broken a lot of first freshener goats to milking and I have had the bruises to show for it. And when it came to a cow, my first cow was also an experienced milker that was already in milk because I was like, it's that bad with goats. Please. I do not want to do it with a thousand
0: pound animal." <laughs> No, it's actually it's really funny. So my my daughter, she was out with us when, you know, when we got her and she she helps with milking and stuff. She's actually dry right now because she's she'll be ready to calf in a few months. But she was asked me because she she'd never kicked before, but she was new to me. And I have had horses and cows, and I have been kicked before by large animals. And so she lifted her foot and I immediately just got out of kick range. It was, you know, yeah. instant reflex. And she looked at me and she's like, she's like, wow, you really jumped. And I said, Yes. I said, <laughs> and that's what you do. I said, you don't wait for them to make contact if yeah. you, you know, if you're not sure what how they're moving. And she's like, well, well, how hard do they kick? And I said, well, honey, I said, we're down here with our heads. I said, they kick hard enough to break a bone. And if they yeah. kicked you just right in the head, I mean, it pot I mean, very, very rare, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But like potentially it could be fatal if they hit you just right, right. in the temp. You know, I'm like, so yeah, you need to. You need to be ready to jump. So it was yeah. a great teaching lesson. <laughs> yeah, a healthy respect here. We need to have a healthy respect for these animals. <laughs> yeah, but it was really because she was almost like, uh, like, 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 oh come on, oh, yeah. mom, like tough yeah. it up, you know? Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, oh no, no, I, I've been down that road. I, I, I've no desire to. But yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, I think you can't just look at the dollar amount. There's so many other aspects. And sometimes spending more is actually a cheaper route in the yeah. long run. I think that's I agree. really the gist of, of that. Yeah, I agree
1: with that. Another, another thing that we've really learned just in our time and that we did not repeat this mistake after we learned it the first time. Good fences just make homesteading so much easier. And we do the electric fence thing. We move our chickens around in electric netting, but we have like a solid parameter fence. And that was the first thing that we did here. My husband actually spent about a month and a half before we moved out here in South Carolina while I kept the farm in Arkansas. He was making trips and he was building fences before we ever brought our animals out. I just, I know that there's so much heartache. In animals gone loose and getting run over and making feuds with the neighbors and uh, accidental breedings and all that stuff. And I mean, we've experienced some of that stuff, but we really haven't experienced it here because fences were the top priority. We budgeted in fencing along with our move. Like it was like moving and fencing, those were the top things that we were keeping in mind. We have to pay for these right now. And I have so thoroughly enjoyed, aside from some rogue turkeys that I couldn't keep from wandering, which are now pinned, that ate my garden on Thanksgiving morning of all mornings. But (laughs) aside from that, we've really had no heartache due to poor fencing
0: (laughs) so that's a big one (laughs) i really do love that they chose thanksgiving morning that was just like almost poetic justice like i'm gonna show you (laughs) i looked out front and i was like come on guys not this morning (laughs) i gotta ask you so in november thanksgiving What, what do you still have grown in the garden? You guys must have a warmer, oh boy, I'm gonna get jealous. You're about to get real
1: jealous, okay? Because I came here and I didn't realize it's very similar to Arkansas here, except for it's a little warmer through the winter. We're zone eight, which means that our average low temperature is between 10 and 20. But what I've learned here is that below 20, which 20, you know, Fahrenheit is like negative, what I, I can't remember, six Celsius or something like that. And like, but here, that is even rare. Our coldest night this last winter, our first winter here was 22 degrees. The coldest night. Of course, my cow calved that night because naturally, yes. but, but it's, you can grow cabbages and kale and all the lovely brassicas and peas and all that stuff pretty much all winter. You know, you might have to go throw a fabric over them. On those kind of rarely cold nights, root vegetables, we harvested food, not much because my turkeys were very thorough, thorough, (laughs) but we harvested some food throughout the winter salad and all that stuff. It's pretty glorious. And you can grow citrus here, not all, but some citrus, which I'm just like in heaven over that. She is rubbing it in y'all, like lemon with
0: salt right now. (laughs) I can grow the lemon for you. So hilarious i actually have a friend from a high school that i got to run into recently and he's been experimenting out here which our coldest temp that we got last last past winter was five degrees fahrenheit um but he has some that he's been breeding so i'm super excited but hardy citrus both some lemon and limes awesome that made it through so that's awesome i have um basically just told him he's Given me some of his stock. I'll pay for the stock. I told yeah. really him, like, give it. But I'm like, yeah. I need to get some of those, please. Yeah. So we're we're going to test it. List. List. <laughs> yeah. We're going to test it yeah. and see how it goes once he, get, once he gets a few more uh, grafted and, and of where I can grab them from him. So, anyways, I, I hope to be able to someday say I grow citrus here, but I'm also holding that very loosely. Yes. Um, <laughs> preparing for them to not make it. Yeah. Um, I did want to jump back, though, to the, the fence thing because I think that's so important good fencing for all of the reasons that you said but I also think that if you if you have never built fences before I think some people are like well what is a good fence and also talking about perimeter fencing as your permanent fencing versus every single you know paddock or section that you might want. Uh, especially on a new property or a property that you had, that's not been fenced before or used for livestock, that type of thing. Do you want to kind of touch on that a little bit? Yeah. So we now
1: do not have goats anymore, but our theory is this fence, your farm for goats and everything else will stay in. Like if you, if that is your goal, um, you'll have a solid fence. So When we first started, we were trying to do everything on a budget. And when you do first start, you are looking at that initial cost rather than maybe the long term cost. And we dove in and did welded wire um, everywhere, which what goats do. And I kept Nubians, La Manches, and Sonnen's. So they were all larger breeds. You know, they're all 100 plus pounds. And they, they come up to your lovely, freshly stretched fence and they throw their fat bodies into it and they rub all the way down until the fences begin to break and bow um, to the contour of their fat bodies. And so like, it's infuriating. And if you have welded wire, they will break it. And what will happen is that nice, affordable fabric that you were like, this is the cheaper option will need to be replaced in two years. So we start out with woven wire. And that's what we did here. We do. um, It's just like the four by four square farm fence. Um, I I can't remember what it's called, like all livestock or something like that. Or maybe it is called goat and sheep fence. I'm not sure. But yeah, we H brace everything. My husband's brilliant on that stuff. And I want to say maybe he's made some sort of tutorial about that. If he hasn't, then he should. <laughs> He's very good at building fences. Had never built one when we started homesteading. So there is that encouragement. It's not like a, you know, a, it's not his trade by any means. But we built, we built some poor fences first, didn't stretch them well, didn't anchor the things well, didn't tie everything down and tighten it up well, used welded wire. And those fences were replaced at our first homestead because it was necessary because our animals were getting out.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I also think what, like with the welded wire and stuff, now I'm curious, not using welded wire, excuse me, I said that backwards, that type of fencing versus for cattle, do you use that same fencing for your, we use barbed wire for our cattle. So I'm just curious.
1: For for cattle, barbed wire is appropriate. Cattle don't push on fences and they don't test Mm -mm. fences like a lot of other animals do. And in fact, our beef herd is trained to a single wire of electric. So we haven't done that yet because the, the pasture they're currently in is fully fenced with farm fence. But we are going to be experimenting some with that. I don't know. We'll we'll see what we end up doing. We're moving them to a much larger pasture that it's not feasible to farm fence it. Uh, but, yeah, we keep our alpacas and our cows and our horses all together. And so horses, you can't do barbed wire. So that's why we don't have that for them. Yeah. You're not i are supposed have, to. I guess some people do, but you're not supposed to. I will
0: to. say i had horses in my past. I, I mm-hmm. don't, it, it's been about, oh, good night. Uh, it's been 12 years since I had horses mm-hmm. and I've had horses on mixed. And I will say we have had cattle. I grew up with cows. I'm 41 years. Had cattle from birth, at, obviously, my parents. And then my husband and I, I think we got our first cows as our own herd. I want to say we've been married like three years. So 20 years, because we just had our 23rd mm-hmm. year anniversary. And I have never, The good Lord willing, this stays a true statement. We have never had a vet bill with barbed wire with cattle. The barbed wire has been excellent. I've not had any wounds, nothing. With horses, oh my good night. Yes. So I would like it can be done, but you be prepared for vet bills because horses are just a walking natural magnet for injury.
1: Yeah. I have experienced
0: that. Yes. Like I love them. They are beautiful, but I never spent as much money on horses. Like that was the, any animal that I've ever owned bar none. I sunk more money into the horses for just various different reasons. And a lot of it was, was accident prone.
1: <laughs> yeah. We just got back into horses and I was pretty well sworn off of them, but my husband, Maya is, he's a horse man. Like he just is. And some people are, and to the people that are like moved so deeply by horses, that's why it's such an expensive thing because those people are like, whatever it is needed to take care of my horses, I'm gonna do it. Like and already we've had the vet out here a couple of times, but I think it's more that he's a helicopter dad than it is purely necessity. <laughs> he really is. It's very cute. But uh we've had I have some horse horror stories. Weirdly, they always happen on holidays. <laughs> they yes, happen. and after hours you get to pay double the oh, vet yes. fee. Always. Oh yes, yes. It was, that's another thanksgiving story that was gruesome <laughs> and expensive
0: <laughs> so. uh, i have to say we always were able to to save the animal and you know there there was a couple instances where i had some hawks that, that had permanent scarring but not permanent function yeah. yeah damage um and that anyhow and i do i do love horses and and when i'm around someone else's horse i get that romantic feeling again and yeah. then i'm like <laughs> And then I'm like, you need to remember past the honeymoon. Remember (laughs) past the honeymoon (laughs) to keep myself from not. So anyhow, but I did want to, to, you know, kind of for anybody who is really new listening to fences, like your your fencing does depend upon the animal too, to a degree. Yes. And so we've had good luck with the cattle. The only issues with barbed wire that we've had with our cattle, it's not necessarily them pushing on it, but if they can get their head through it, you wouldn't think this because they're a large animal, kind of like a mouse if a cow can get its head through the barbed wire they usually will get their body through yeah. and so we have learned to tighten really well so that yeah. that they can't and or in between where you've got your posts and you've got your longer stretch of stretches of barbed wire is to use the their metal stays and yeah. they go on in that section and then that uh, then they can't push it because it keeps it you know keeps it nice and tight in that even line for the spacing that you've designated um so as far as like barbed wire tips those would be my two my yeah. my two biggest thing, biggest ones on, there.
1: I think on all fencing, it's just a matter of keeping it tight and well braced. And what I see a lot of people doing, getting into homesteading as well, I'll buy the cheapest fabric I can. You know, the material, the material fencing, and then I'll, you know, oh, here's a tree, I'll use this, or I don't have to use as many posts because it's just adding. You know, everything you add, obviously, I'm saying tight and braced. Every part of that is more expensive. Are you going to concrete your H braces in the corner. Are you going to each step? It's like more expenditure. And you go, this is so expensive. Your fences are expensive. That's true. A good fence is going to cost you money. But when you go buy that $2,000 cow, if she knocks the fence over or rips her udder open on it or whatever, I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong. It's ultimately... I'll add all of those
0: things up into the cost of your fans. A solid fence is just such a good insurance policy. It is. I mean, especially my husband and I, until a few years ago, I now work from home, but I, we were, he still works away from home during the day as a day job. and I was commuting, we were commuting in the opposite directions, So I was 18 miles one way and he was 20 miles the other way from our house And so making sure our fences were good, because if one of the the animals got out, nobody was here to put them back in. Yeah. And depending on where you live, where we live, the property owner is liable. So if my cow gets out and causes an accident, we don't have the open range laws here. um, It's on me. I mean, like, that's a and that and, you know, they're a big animal. So they could actually, you know, cause a lot of debt. Not only obviously I wouldn't want my cow to get hit, but It could cause a lot of damage to somebody in a vehicle as well. So, yeah, I can't back you up enough on iterating, invest in solid, solid fencing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that those are kind of the things that I have really seen us like walk in the experience of here and like, okay, we got this right from the beginning. Uh, Now, interestingly, this kind of ties in together when we're talking about fencing and infrastructure That goes back to that take it slow thing, because ultimately, if you're trying to go really fast, you're like, well, I want to do the right thing. So I'll build great fences. But you don't really know your land yet. You don't really know where your most most fertile soil is and where your best grass is going to be year round and where different things are going to be throughout the year. And you throw fences up where later you realize that's really the best place for your garden or. You, you know, you plant your, your fruit trees where you later realize is really where you need to keep your goats. That's what I did the first time. And those fruit trees did not survive that decision to put the goats in there, even with the trees fence. And so I think that when you go slow, that's where, again, you're not allowing your spending and growth to get out ahead of your experience, because ultimately you're going to, You're gonna, it'll catch up and it'll cost you money. And one thing that we did here moving to this new farm, I we probably spent the first six months we bought the land at the end of 2020. I came out and saw it the first time in 2021. Maya had come out and made the decision and brought me out, and I had taken an aerial view. Then when we came out and saw it, I took video notes, all this stuff. We did not lay a line of fence until June. We didn't do anything until June. So we had had been planning for over seven months and we had tried so many different configurations. And by the time we started building here, I had mapped out a 10-year plan for this farm considering every single thing we could possibly want to do. It's changed just a little bit since practically getting our hands on it, but not much. And I think that's important. Make a 10-year plan, make a five-year plan Do not decide what you're putting where based on the next thing that you can afford, because you're going to end up contradicting yourself down the line. Have a long-term plan. Plan beyond your budget. It doesn't matter if you can afford that right now. Think, this is what I want it to be in 10 years, and then make your next decision based on that plan, not based on where you are right now.
0: that makes sense? It makes sense. Like, you're preaching. So, we just bought a 40-acre farm a half mile down the road from us, and- And there's
1: thank you. Thank you. (laughs)
0: Um, And we're not planning on moving there. We are, it's going to be a farm stay, it's going to be a teaching farm. We're going to do workshops. And, but it's that same thing. I am looking at it and I'm like, well, we want to do this and this and this. And if I want to do this and have 50 to 100 people workshops, there's no bathroom outside. But I'm like, Melissa, that is not the first thing that you need to do. You know, and so it, yeah. this is really good because I'm walking through this right now. We've only owned it since June, so we've not had it super long. Even though I've seen the property all my life because it's on this yeah. road, um, and so I am walking myself through those exact steps right now. Like, and so you were saying where <laughs> the Lord knew I needed to hear. <laughs> so thank you. I'm like yes,
1: yes. I yes. understand that. I mean, we want to be able to host workshops out here. We're building a big shop, a workshop that's got a bathroom and like a community room and different things that we can host people. And because we sat down first, and honestly, what I really did was we came out here last April whenever we did that podcast. I was out here staying in Airbnb and I probably sat and just looked at this farm for, I mean, it was raw land, it wasn't a farm, for probably like 15 hours that week. And I'm just sitting there and I'm imagining, well, if this were here, how would that work with all these other things? If this were here, how would that work? And we move things around and like like puzzle pieces. Well, we can't put the well house here because it's going to be in contradiction with that. And, and we had all the pieces we knew were in our 10-year plan and moved them around in our mind's eye and in our drawings until it all made sense together. And it was like, okay, like this, this layout will actually work. Taking all the permaculture principles of zones and how, what you're going to access how frequently and what water lines and all those things into play but it is hard when you have these visions of what you want to do and then that thing you really want to do
0: is tenth on the priority list <laughs> yes and that and that's exactly it like you know i'm like some of this stuff is not going to happen by next spring but i'm wanting to do the work for those now so yes yeah the prioritization and it is the um when anything is new, yeah, you have that initial excitement and, and, yeah. and it's so easy to let that carry you beyond. And I think that's the theme of this whole episode. Hold on to that because you're going to need that for the long term because yeah. that phase does pass. But don't let that phase override wisdom in what you're doing. Yeah, that's so
1: good. I I agree entirely. I mean, and it's hard. That's a lot easier said than done. And I'm saying this as if I'm very wise and sage in this. My husband is like, he's the one who's patient and orderly. I'm like the creative that has a jillion ideas. And I'm like, let's do this today. Let's, you know, let's let these animals out in this field that they've never been in today. That'll be fun. And he's like, no, (laughs) that's not fenced right yet. He's the one that's always like, the sound uh anchor in the situation
0: <laughs> yes same like i've already got you know the electricity in and i'm picking out the light fixtures that uh-huh. are going in and he's um. like um you know we we probably need to actually make sure that the roof is sound yeah <laughs> they exactly. all fine okay. exactly yeah. oh, such a party pooper <laughs> yes yes <laughs> but yeah uh it's a good thing, though, when um, you have those opposite abilities from one another, because you need the vision, but you also need the practicality. So yes, they're sure. good matches. Yeah. yeah. They make for, for some sure. interesting days. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, for
1: sure. Yeah. For us, it's been a thing. This is also like that coming from experience. Uh, we really took the scripture in Proverbs to heart. It's in 24, I think it's 27, that says, like basically put your outdoor work in order and then build your house. And we are planning on building a house here. We bought a mobile home that we uh, put on here. We were planning on putting it on and then selling it, moving it off. But the one we ended up being able to buy, because everything was backed up because COVID was a nicer one. Um, So we're going to have it for a guest house on our property. And we're going to build a house down the road. But we really wanted to get the infrastructure in place. I feel a lot more secure knowing that we can grow food. And I'm okay. I mean, we're completely comfortable in this house.
0: Yeah, I actually we live in a, a manufactured a double wide. Um, yeah, and they have a lot of a lot of great things. The construction in them now, because I grew up in a 1974 single wide trailer, so the <laughs> <Different> construction, <thing. laughs> oh my, like you can't compare them. So yeah, they they're built completely different. um, yeah. in this day and age. So uh, we kind of went through that same thing. Actually, it was two years ago. We were like, you know, we were my husband's five years older than me. So he's in his forties. I was approaching 40 at that time. And we're like, okay, if we're going to do a stick built home or a new place on, you know, on our property kind of now is the time to do that. We felt, and we really looked it all out. And then we just decided, I'm like, you know, why don't we just do some renovations to this place Mm -hmm. to meet the needs that we have? Rather than building it, uh, you know, an entirely new thing. And so for us, that was really the right, the right decision, even though, you know, when we first got it, it's the same as you guys. Like we had planned, you know, like, oh no, we'll, we'll move this off. It's just a temporary thing, but it didn't end up being that way. So yeah. Jess, thank you so much for coming on today. Is there, well, you have your new book coming out. Yeah. Um, So please hear about that. And then any last bits of sage wisdom that you have, uh, please impart those as well. Yeah,
1: well, we in the process of moving, I was writing a book, you know, just (laughs) throwing that in there. Um, And here I was walking out all of that experience that I'd learned through having done it before. And I was writing The First Time Homesteader, which is basically all of that knowledge wrapped up in one book that's really aimed towards the person who's in town, maybe just looking for land or. Has moved out to their home or living in a a camper or, you know, getting on their land for the first time, thinking, where do I start? And it just covers a lot of the entry level information, helping make decisions, sharing kind of some of our experiences and mistakes. And I really hope that it helps a lot of people because I know a lot of people are in the early stages of this journey, which I'm so excited for. And I love seeing the influx into homesteading. So I want to be able to help people with that. So that is actually, um, I guess it'll probably be out by the time this goes out because it's it's going to be live here in the next couple of days.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I know it's probably all the places that one can purchase books. Just look for the first time yes. home setter by Jessica, Jessica Sowers and you'll Sowers. find that. Okay. Yep. That's right. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of your wisdom with us here today. And I look forward to seeing everything that you guys are doing. I know you had a lot of fun things In the works. And so it's been, it's been really exciting to watch you, you know, kind of, I don't want to say push things because that almost sounds like a negative connotation, but like to dream, to dream big, because I think this is a world where we need to see big dreams in this space happen. And then people actually create those, like make those dreams reality. So I'm really excited to see all the things that you guys are doing, even off, of your off of your homestead in town. Well I guess now instead of just like dancing around it. what, yeah. uh, what is it that you guys are doing because this well, just sounds I, funny if I, if I we like, don't say it. <laughs> I like that you say push
1: actually because it reminds me a lot of birth like what we're in right now has that real feel of labor and of like getting through the hard work of seeing something beautiful come into the earth. Um, we bought some buildings in the very small town that we live outside of called Batesburg, Leesville, South Carolina and um, population 5000 ish um and it, the the side of town that we bought our buildings in was is pretty dead um got a really great restaurant a couple small businesses that have been hanging on down there but we we are opening a homesteading store it's called the Carolina Homestead Exchange um we are doing that in partnership with our friends at Murray McMurray Hatchery and uh, we're also opening a coffee shop so we have three phases down there kind of the same thing with the homestead plan we applied to that same planning model there think of what you want it to look like in 10 years and and do the phases it'll be it'll be all done before 10 years but um but yeah we're we're currently working on renovating those buildings and envisioning a farmers market and Classes and all kinds of community. I'd love for you to come down sometime and maybe teach
0: some classes down there. It would be oh, awesome. I'd love to. You had me. At, you're putting in a coffee shop because <laughs> I'm actually we have the same espresso machine and I'm like oh, we're 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 homestead sisters. <laughs> she understands yes. my love and importance of coffee in life. So.
1: Oh, uh, you know, it's my, it's my joy. Like when I have my coffee, I'm always like, if, if there's something in me that's just joy that rises up. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> every day. It
0: never gets you're going get to do it every day. Uh, I, yeah, I, I really, for those of you who are tea drinkers who are listening right now, just, just say bless you to us. Um, and I do like a good cup of tea. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. yeah, there is something about, it is, it brings me so much joy. In fact, it was so funny. I was with my kids because my son's 17 and my daughter's 13 and we were traveling. And so we stopped into a coffee shop. And even though I usually make everything at home, but it was so funny because they're like, mom, I think that you have an addiction to coffee. (laughs) And I said, I'm not trying to hide it. I said, you know, I have went caffeine free at different times in my life for different reasons. Um, But I said, yes, I said, I really enjoy my coffee. And as far as vices go, it's fine.
1: I've made my peace
0: (laughs) with it at this point. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I love coffee too. We're going to be roasting coffee. Um, and the coffee house down there, I just imagine it being just sort of an anchor point for all of it. I wrote my first book largely in a coffee house, but having children so young and having so many children, um, my home, I had to get away from my home to work, being a work from home mom. I was a work from coffee house mom. And so like, <laughs> that was what I did. And I, that just holds a special place in my heart. I love the atmosphere for creatives. I love music. And and so when I think of our downtown businesses, the Carolina Homestead Exchange, the, the coffee roasting, the coffee house, I just, um, the market, the community. It just, it encapsulates everything that I love with music and homesteading and food growing and ultimately having a place where people can come together over those things. I just think it's gonna be really special.
0: I do too. Then you had me at music. So yes, count me in. So do you have, and I know timelines change with construction and all this, but you guys have a a, kind of like an estimated loose time of when you think this month. So I can open?
1: tell you that our original goal was to open it next spring of 2023. Oh, wow. I'm not 100%. We got really held up on like, you know, you're dealing with old buildings and asbestos remediation and all of that stuff. We got a little delayed on that stuff. But we are hitting the ground running now and seeing progress happen now. So I am still going to be optimistic that maybe next spring could really be doable. The coffee house will not be open by next spring. We're trying to get the Carolina Homestead Exchange open first, as well as starting to roast coffee, which we'll be selling online and stuff like that. And then the coffee house will be kind of the last phase of the entire thing. So um, maybe here in a year, <laughs> we'll have the whole thing done, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, no, that's exciting. And I didn't know you guys were going to do the coffee roasting and you'll have that available. Well, I'll have to get some. Um, yeah. So I'm excited. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We will have uh, in the show notes for everybody in the blog post that accompanies this uh, links to Jess's book and all the different things. and her Instagram and YouTube if you're not following along on their journey there. And yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Hey, friends, I hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I look forward to being here back with you next week. Blessings and mason jars for now.